What is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast. On today's show, segment one, we're going to answer a question about Colin Sexton. Segment two, we're going to answer another question about Colin Sexton. And segment three, we're going to answer a third question about Colin Sexton. I think you get the gist of the episode from that little tease there. That's all coming up today on Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. music you heard on the way in at least in radio form was from our friends at astro radio check them out on spotify or apple music i'm chris manning covering the Cavs at place like diamond up rocks and Nations for the sword my co-host evan damerl who if you're watching on youtube is making a weird face right now is it facebook's right down euclid i'm learning about i'm learning about papple moose Go not- ahead. i also Lacroix. I know it's grapefruit, but I was wondering why it was grapefruit, and it's a Dutch meaning yeah. for grapefruit, which is fascinating. Just something something you learn new you learn every day. It, it, it means comes from pompel and limos. Pompel can be translated to Dutch as fat or swollen, and limos is Dutch word for lemon. So it literally means fat lemon. It's a vibe. It's a good good Lacroix flavor uh, as well. Okay, go ahead. So today's show, uh, we're going to answer some Colin Sexton questions that we came up with. We'll do a Sexton mailbag next week. So if you have Colin Sexton mailbag questions, lockdowncasgmail.com, Twitter, etc. Um, Evan, I have come up come up with three questions. So let's let's just hop into these. Number one. That's I didn't fine. read them at like, all, so I'm just getting them as fresh as. Oh, I read them. Okay. Now I'm reading them, but. I didn't. I didn't That's plan. Number one, do he and Karis Levert make sense on the same team? Yeah, I think so. It's an interesting thought exercise, but I think the mentality I've maintained just at the end of this season, up to this point, and probably through training camp and for a little bit is you don't sign Karis LeVert to an extension. You sign Colin Sexton to one. You figure out how these two mesh and gel together. And if they don't, you obviously use that LeVert contract and possibly future picks or something else to make some a move of some kind, um, maybe around the trade deadline, because I'm going to give LeVert the benefit of the doubt that he came into a season or a situation in Cleveland where he never got fully acclimated, whether it was due to injuries or anything else that just kind of was out of his control. Just learning a new teammate and everything else too is just hard. And I think maybe giving him a full off season to get healthy and a full training camp under Bickerstaff to kind of get acclimated with the systems and intricacies of what Cleveland is doing can help a lot. And we'll be talking about this in the other episode I'm wearing this hat and shirt in, but like connector pieces, like Levert could be a connector piece for this bench unit where he could be a big body playmaker who helps alleviate some of the playmaking need off the bench behind Darius Garland as well. So I think they can coexist, but I'm willing to put a pin in it and also return to this conversation maybe 15, 20 games into the season. Yeah, I I th- I think if let's do just one positive. I lunch those positively first. I think if you're looking at Sexton as a guy that can space, that gives you another ball handler, and and like you're adding another 
layer to this in a way that I think is important. I think you need more ball handlers. I think this team needs more creation to, to avoid being stagnant on offense. I think you can look at it and say, okay, you know, maybe there's still another backup point guard to go find, whether it's like on the on the cheap in the draft or a veteran, whatever, that maybe complicates this answer a little bit. Just never mention the name Mike Conley to one Christopher. We'll, t- we'll do a Mike Conley like episode at some point. It's like a thing. Once we kind of see where that going, I think we already promised that. But my 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 thought on this is that like you can look at it from an offensive standpoint and I think you can find a way to make it make sense, right? Like I think there's a way to make it work. I'm more concerned about the defensive side of the ball. I think they're both Colin might end up being like a solidish defender if the efforts there and, and whatever, and maybe he'll, he'll improve on that end as we go here. He's not I, I think the effort could be there if he doesn't have to expend so much. But he, he's also not gonna be particularly big as a as a stout defender. That that kind of is gonna limit you a little bit. I think Lavert is not a particularly able defender. And so you're putting even more pressure on Mobley. You're putting even more pressure on Allen and like whoever the third, the fifth guy in that, in those lineups are, or if it's like one of only Mobley or Allen, it's with those guys, it's a lot of pressure on those guys to really prop up those defensive lineups. Now you could argue, I think kind of reasonably that the part of the point of having those two guys is that they can help shore up some of your deficiencies and, and do some extreme work to kind of make some of these other things that aren't perfect work. But I am a little skeptical of of how the, that is like a defensive pairing would work, like how you kind of make it all work. And it also depends on Sexton's ability. I, it, it, a thing I think I am bullish on, young, uh, dare I say young bullish on. Cringe. <laughs> Look, you make you make you make uh, weird jokes. You make weird jokes about my mom. mom. Oh, by the way, happy belated birthday to my mother. And never do that again. I will smack you like your like your curse rock. Um. What, yeah, when I mentioned my when I mentioned my mom. mother, the yeah, happy okay. birthday to her. Um, I hope Ellen at some point just sees the light. It just just as Evan, I can't. She knows, okay. dude. Okay, she knows. Getting get okay. Get, Literally get, sent get, her get video get, of get Wilmer okay. in my bed saying, "Didn't know your okay. mom was in my hotel room." Okay. She's like, "Come on." I think there's ways to sort of make all of this work and massage it and figure it out. And, and there's a, there's an argument you can make that like you need to take the chance on the offensive upside of this to make it work. I am just a little skeptical that it is perfect. And a lot of this probably will depend on Colin Sexton's ability, which I'm bullish on young bullish on to get back to what I was saying. And before I did derail myself, him being a guy that can play off ball, be a spacer cut, do all that stuff. And that would kind of help organize this a little bit. I think. No, I think you're spot on on that. I think we're in the same spot, really, where we are optimistic that it can work just because you're willing. we're both willing to give Karis LeVert the benefit of the doubt. But there are concerns heading into next season with this pairing in theory because let's just say Colin Sexton is still starting for the Cavs next year if he signs an extension with them. Um, I know that the Cavs really wanted to try out the Garland-Levert lineup as a starting unit, but maybe you start Sexton still too. That would mean Levert's likely your first guard off the bench, and maybe the Cavs get a little freaky with it, and they explore playing those two with Garland at the same time too. you got to make sure two of those pieces are viable because in theory, one-on-one, Garland and Sexton are viable as a unit at times together one on one. Garland and Levert are viable one on like together on the floor. If you mix all three, is this going to work? And I think the best way to find out is if you just mix Levert and Sexton together 
And this all just gets thrown out the window, too, if the Cavs draft Malachi Branham, too, who I think overlaps more of what Lavert than Sexton does. And if it's Branham, who is your rookie, and he's still here, I know it's – we talked about or I talked about the possibility of possibly just stashing him on the bench and maybe getting him spot minutes whenever you can but maybe worry about his long-term impact down the line instead of next season. But if you're the Cavs, you still want to try – and the question then becomes, how do you find playing time for Brandon? Like, I know I suggested the idea of stashing him on the bench, obviously, and maybe not playing him much, but you still want to find him minutes. And that's even tougher when you have Levert and Sexton ahead of him, ahead of him especially if you have Sexton signed to a long-term contract. Then maybe this conversation changes a little bit because... I really do notice a lot of overlap between Branham and Lavert, and actually Malachi Branham during his media availability at the draft combine said he studies a lot of Karis Lavert when it comes to players that he studies at the NBA level. So I think there might be a little bit of imitation as a sincere form of flattery there. And I just don't think that's viable for the Cavs if you have all three of those guys in your roster, and then you maybe explore trading Lavert at that point. But I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. And I think the draft will maybe shape the future of these two together. But for now, I think the best way to figure out how to make this fit work is just pairing those two on the floor. And then ideally just trying to figure it out from there. Maybe a Coro is that third wing that joins them and they don't play like a true point guard in that lineup. Yeah. Either. Sexton in a poor shooting would have to, I think to, to kind of work or, or you have to find Kevin love might be, might be a fit in that theory of marketing. The other part of this, that I, I don't think we can, we should go too deep into, but it's just something hanging over. This is, I would be I would be sort of surprised if they paid both of them. Oh no, I think I, I said this at the top. You assign Sexton to an extension just because you have to because of his restricted free agency. Um, Bobby Marks noted that Levert can't be like signed like a proper proper an, an unrestricted extension until like August eighth, which is pretty damn close to training camp at that point. I just don't think Harris Levert has shown you enough if you're the Cavs to comfortably say, okay, let's sign this guy to an extension despite the assets you gave up for him. And you wait and see and take a cautious approach because if this also just still isn't working, he becomes a trade asset pretty quickly because I think he's making $18 million, I want to say. And that's on an expiring contract. That's a pretty movable asset. If you attach draft picks to that, maybe you can make a tangible upgrade. But you extend Sexton and then you continue to evaluate Levert. Yeah, I think. I think that's right. Okay. After the break, we are going to dive in to some more on Colin Sexton, some more questions about the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, the, at least for now, the Cleveland Cavaliers guard. But first, Evan, you're going to tell everyone about Athletic Greens. Sure thing, man. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Athletic Greens, a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take control of my health, and with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start my day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It, it pretty much covers everything. It's lifestyle-friendly as well. Whether, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, all while still tasting good. It also supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. It costs you less than $3 a day, and if you're investing in health, and it's just, so that means it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, so it's even better. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance by trusted leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchases. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and get pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Now, go check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Show. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, Player Rankings, and of course, Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Evan, this is the one that I, I of the questions I came up with for this that I think is the hardest to answer. I have the hardest time mm-hmm. answering what I'm going to ask here. And that question. Well, don't feel bad, man. It can never be as hard as me struggling through that athletic greens. You did read. a great job. Um, I wish I'd remember the. Never mind. Did you feel like we learned anything from what Sexton is or where he's headed? It just do you feel like you learned anything of substance that you kind of can grab grab onto before the meniscus injury? This is a tough question because I think we have an idea of what Sexton is as like an elite three-level scorer who is really good at getting to the line as well. Um, just is is a spark plug who consistently scores in a highly efficient manner. Um, but you could see his role shifting quite a bit. His usage rate was gone down quite a bit in the limited window he had with the Cavs last season. And we were still kind of figuring out where he was in the grand dichotomy of Cleveland's offensive scheme, because clearly like they're better by putting the ball in Darius Garland's hands, upping his usage rate. And like his assisted turnover percentage was amazing. Like there's so many good things about Darius just being the lead guard of this offense. I think it's still going to be a work in progress this season. I, I I just think it's hard to rewire a player completely like that. Like Isaac Okoro hasn't been it many times. He still struggled. He struggled a lot last season with just having to be a guy who plays primarily off ball while Garland or at the time Rubio or Rondo initiated the offense. So you have to figure that out. And I think you can figure it out with Sexton. I think he's willing to make this work and he wants to be here. And I think he realizes that this is Darius's team between the two of them. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I need a larger sample size before I can say, okay, this is this is what's working. This isn't working. Maybe we need to make a change in X, Y, and Z. Because it's just such a small sample size because he tore his meniscus relatively early into the season. This is, I think I come away thinking, I don't feel like I learned a ton. It's 11... About where he's at, or where no? He's about going. like just how it all this all sort of works and where it was because um, doesn't doesn't play a ton of games last year. Obviously, it's like it's eleven games. It's not a lot. No, his usage rate in terms of like how much he's being featured in the offense is close to where it was in year two, but down from year three that real breakout season. So he's still having the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been um, he taken some more threes. Free throw rate was down from the previous year. You know, wasn't, you know, was shooting pretty poorly from three when he goes down. I don't think looked super, had, had kind of looked comfortable yet. Field goal, field goals were down. Like everything was kind of down in a way that is different. And that makes sense. His role changed. He was playing more off ball. Even if he was getting the ball in his hands and finishing plays a lot, 
this this was a different structure for Colin Sexton of, of a role that he'd ever had. And that was going to take more than 82 games to kind of go, right? Like, it was never going to be a thing where, like, he is solely this one thing, and then it just kind of naturally clicks in place. Like, this was always going to take some time. And, and it, the numbers are lower than you would sort of expect from where you would you would think from an efficiency standpoint, and there's you, know, you could point to lots of reasons for that. I think I just come away kind of being like, this still feels like an unknown to me because, again, this was 11 games. It was 316 minutes. Um, like, it is it is the smallest of small sample size. Like, his, you know, his assist rate was, like, basically half of what it was the year before. His turnover rate at the same time had gone, like, up 4% from the year before. But, like, that doesn't feel totally, like, in line with, like, what Colin had been previously. Like, the year before... Um, in, in 2020, 2021, like he was, he had a pretty high solid assist percentage versus a pretty, you know, reasonable turnover percentage. And like, I, I don't feel like what we saw was exactly real, but I also don't know how it totally works in a different role for himself. And then I think you factor in this year, it's like, Hey, Evan Mobley is also going to be probably take, you would assume he's going to take on more on offense. You would assume he's going to do some more. How does that impact Colin? I, there's just like a lot I feel like I don't know and have like a great grasp on from like what we've seen. I think I'm probably more on the optimistic side of it because I'm bullish on Sexton. I also am just a little bit like, I, I don't know exactly how this is going to work. It's it's a little unclear to me of like exactly what how it all comes together. And especially because, again, I think like not only is it going to be another year where like Darius Garland is back and, and everything. And like Collins back with that. And you could say, okay, he's there. But Levert's there. We talked about, and Evan Moby's going to do more. And like that, there's just more going on here than there ever really has been in his time in Cleveland. Yeah, it is tricky. Um, where to figure out how things go. Like there's who they bring in in free agency as well. There's the draft factor. Like who do they select? Is this a player that they expect to kind of carve out a meaningful spot in this rotation? I wonder if there's different ways and maybe more creative ways that the Cavs could get Sexton involved offensively. I think if his playmaking chops are a little more refined than they were before he went down or even up to that point leading up to when he went down, you can maybe make him more of like the lead guard who initiates the offense off the bench and he shares playmaking responsibilities and duties with Karis LeVert. Like ideally, I think that's what you want. And then maybe you sprinkle in like a veteran guard just to be the stopgap as well, just in case things kind of go awry. So you can take a little bit of, uh, not a little bit, but a lot of bit of offensive pressure off Darius Garland. But it's tricky because I agree with you that 11 games is too small of a sample size. And it wasn't like a dramatic, dramatic shift because there are times he's played off ball all throughout his career at this point. But it was a big enough shift for Sexton where he looked off as a player at times where he just wasn't scoring at the same rate that he usually was, especially on the same volume that he usually does because things have changed. And I think the Cavs have found a lot of things that work. And like you said, they want to empower Evan Mobley because he is going to be their franchise cornerstone and the guy for them going forward. You want to empower him and continue making him better as he levels up as a player offensively. And there's just going to be a certain established pecking order where Maybe you also have to take that into consideration with signing him to an extension this summer. Like how much is he going to fit in your young nebulous because you have a clear big three and is he a piece that you think can fit in or is he a lot more expendable in like a sign and trade scenario where you can get more of those pieces while they're shooting or whether it's connective guys or just different pieces in between that kind of round out this big three a bit more. 
it's an interesting situation, a lot to break down, and it's something I don't envy because it's not an easy decision. Yeah, I, this is like one of the most important things that the Cavs will have to decide this summer, like arguably the most important thing, right? Like it is uh, a very, very loaded thing to kind of figure out a little bit. I'm curious to see kind of how they handle it. And I, I don't really have like a good, I, I don't have like a good answer on like how this will sort of work, you know, like it is tricky for me to like, look at this and say like, this is exactly the right decision. This is exactly the thing you should do. I don't think that question like is I don't I think if anyone tells you they are fully comfortable in answering this I think they're like being a little aggressive there you know like I, it's just what it is we also I know the Cavs being the team that employ Colin have a familiarity with his medicals but they also haven't seen him play since November of last year so like where is he at physically as well? And also mentally in that aspect too, is like, does he have any roadblocks or concerns and using that athleticism reverse? Like he could be a little bit of a different player when he comes back as well. And I think that goes into consideration. Yeah. I too. mean, there's probably some, there's like a low, there's like a readjustment period, right? Like there's probably some of that. They, I wouldn't say load management. It just maybe a ramp, there's a ramp up. There's a ramp be, up period. Perhaps there's a yeah. ramp up. And cause when he had his exit interview, Sexton said, like, I'm not fully cleared for on-court activity yet. So, like, he's doing, like, one-on-one, maybe, like, one-on-two stuff with, like, coaches. But he's not going out there playing five-on-five with his teammates because physically he just isn't there yet. And that's the right approach. And he said he should be ready for training camp. But, like, that's a lot of catching up he has to do with a team that is very different than the one he left. Yes. All right. After the break, one more Colin Sexton question. Uh, this one centered on. His three-point shooting, specifically. But Evan, first, I'm going to tell everyone about our friends at Bill Bar. And look, this is the time of year when a lot of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. Bill Bar can help you stick to them and continue to eat right in the new year. Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. And if you go to Bill.com, you can check their macros chart. You're going to be blown away. Most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And they have great flavors. Mint brownie, coconut. They have the birthday cake puffs right now, the brownie batter puffs right now. They make everything delicious, and new flavors come out all the time. And they think a flavor might be good. They're going to make it, and it's going to be delicious, and it will be good for you. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code for all the great flavors at Built is locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15% off at built.com evan now tell everyone about our friends at rock auto beep 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 this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it is now impossible for your local chain autos parts store to stock all the parts you need winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders their the parts on their computer using the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have access to computers at rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselves for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low and are for every customer. Rock Auto has everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So if you're interested, go to rockauto.com right now. 
and see all the parts available on your car or truck. Right, locked on, and they're happy to hear about us, Box Center, that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts Carl ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. Chris, if you're editing on audio, do like a as I'm driving off into the third. Set. Not doing that. You just did it with your voice, so that's it. All right, last question here on today's show: Is Colin Sexton slash can he be the guy that provides some or a large majority of the three point boost the Cavs need? I think we would argue that even if the Cavs are, you know, three point rate isn't like super super low or anything like that, this is a guy that. This is a team that needs a little juice behind the three-point line, I think, to stretch things out to kind of make things work a little better. So if you're saying, okay, Colin Sexton, by virtue of him being out this year, will resign him to whatever contract it's going to be. He's back next year. He's part of our solution to fix this issue. Do you, do you believe that that is something you should, we should expect from Colin? So I was thinking a little bit about where he's at and where he's going and also ways maybe the Cavs could utilize him a little differently. If you look at a player like Gary Trent Jr., who is physically a somewhat similar player to Sexton, but just completely different offensively. Wasn't Gary Trent like 6'5", 6'3", 6'5"? He's like, he's a little bigger. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6". Little... Six, six. How are they? Tell, go into this. I'm, I'm, I want to know where you're going. He's Gary Trent Jr. is... Gary Trent my... Jr., I... My brother in Christ, I promise okay. you. Okay, he he's, he's listed. He's listed at six six. He is considered a smaller guard in a smaller backcourt with Fred Van Fleet. Can I please continue? Yeah, go ahead. Gary Trent Jr. has a little bit of a similar game to Colin Sexton, but the fact that he takes a lot more threes compared to Colin Sexton, I think, is a way the Cavs could utilize him because Sexton is not a bad three point shooter. Not not in the slightest. He has his annual dip at the beginning of the season where he kind of struggles from the three-point line and then all of a sudden just starts clicking again and hitting everything, not everything, but a lot more of things than he was before. And if the Cavs find more creative ways to get him utilized in this off-ball scenario where you get him off cuts, screens, drags, you name it, just kind of have like maybe that guy floating on the perimeter. If you're like Garland, if you like attack the basket, you can use it as a kick out, or if like Mobley in the post or Allen in the post, you can smartly read a read to a floating sex down the edge. Like there are ways for the Cavs to get Colin clean looks from three, kind of like they did for Garland. And the inverse of that is if you get Sexton going, it makes the rest of the offensive life easier too because you have Garland who is also off the ball with Sexton having the ball in his hands too, and he's going to have to have some defensive pressure relieved off him because if Sexton's hitting, it just makes life a lot easier for everyone. And I think there's ways that the Cavs can do it. Sexton, I think as a shooter, I think we should, I think the key is like, can you bump his turn? Can you get him to turn his volume up? Like, can you take it where it's at and say, Colin, we we just want you to do this more because He's, he's been a pretty, like, in terms of frequency, like a pretty relatively low for his position through point guy through his career so far. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if you just tell him, like, hey, you need to up the ante a little bit. But, but is it is that a thing that he, like, how do you coax it out of him is the question. Like, how do you coax that out of him? How do you design the sets? Like, there, these are questions I think you're asking and I think are correct. And I think if you're the Cavs, it's like, okay, like, what is, if Sexton's DNA is we don't want to change his DNA fully, right? But there, ha there are some tweaks here that can be made. I think figuring out how you can reasonably make those 
is kind of key because I think like the threat him being the as a threat or three pointer, you know, opens up stuff at the rim for him. It opens up, you know, potential he's got a decent like pull up, like mid range shot that I think you can be okay with him taking at times. Like that is something you can roll with. He's also like I I, I maintain that his most underrated offensive skill is as a cutter because he's so fast that he can beat guys and, and make a play and get in their lane and either make a pass or, or get a bucket. Like he is skilled enough to do that stuff. I would, I just, I wonder how you could coax out of him because I don't think he's a guy that like, you're going to run off screens. That doesn't strike me as like a thing you're going to do with him. You're not going to like put him through a couple screens, have him navigate those and pop out for three. Is he going to stand off to the side and space that way and make a play from there? Or is he going to be more pull up threes where like he's taking them out of the, out of like a spread pick and roll? I think how they would kind of force this issue, I think is, is the question for me, right? Like, I think it's possible and I think if he, you know, he took 26%. Um, so before he goes down, like, okay, let's maybe a better season is his breakout season, his real breakout season, and his third NBA season, 2020-2021, took 22% of his threes. 22% of his shots were three-pointers in that season. 19 non-corner threes, which makes sense. Like, the, the vast majority of his three-pointers are going to be non-corner threes. By comparison, Darius Garland took 36% of his shots last year from three. Both of them are below league average for the position, but Darius is like inching close to like that 50th percentile. Colin's like down here. So how do you, I, I think how they would coax that out of Colin as a guy who is more comfortable with the ball in his hands would be an interesting question. I, mean, I, I think that's like a fun thing that if they're going to do that, like how you could coax it out of him to kind of, he's like, Colin, we want, we need you to take more of these. Like we, that, that has to help you. Yeah, I I don't know how they do it either because you're completely rewiring a player in his game at that point where he is someone who uses athleticism and aggressiveness to get to put pressure at the basket. Like you said, he's really good off cuts. He's really good. Something you smartly pointed out in an article and something you see in his next next step offensively is just him getting to the line more frequently. But I wonder if maybe the knee surgery and the recovery makes him a little more reliant on that shot where the Cavs get him easier looks off the ball to kind of get him more comfortable than his legs underneath him on the floor because he's going to have nine, ten months off of playing actual like full contact physical basketball. And there's going to be a bit of a learning curve to help him feel comfortable again. And if you're the Cavs, you want to make it the easiest way possible. And it's also just – I think it's just worth noting. It's not like Sexton hasn't had the opportunity – to do some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he hasn't, like, this is a guy that hasn't had, like, the opportunity to get a lot of shots up and do this stuff. Like, it is, like, you know, three years and change of of a career where he's had the ball in his hands a lot, where the three-point thing has, like, improved and it's it's gone, come a long way, but it's not, like, a high-volume part of his game. And I think if that change, like, the fact that we're going into year five of Colin Sexton is, like, kind of wild when we like really sit down and like mm-hmm. kind of process just like that fact to me, like that makes me feel, I already feel older every single day of my life. That makes me feel like even more old that it's like year five of God Sexton and all this stuff. Like Darius Garland's year for like, this is weird to me. Um, but like, it's not like this is a guy that hasn't had the chance to like take these shots, I guess. Like, and it's not what he's sort of looked for. And I, th- I think how that evolves in year five like if that flips in some way, that would be like a real interesting development. Or if like maybe it flips early in the season, and then like does is it real? Like what what is it about season? I, I this is getting me more excited to like I I kind of still like I need a couple months to like really like 
you know, get the energy levels back back up a little bit. But like, this makes me excited to get to like preseason. Honestly, like this is the kind of thing that makes me like, okay, I want to see this. I want to see what this looks like. Yeah, you know, I'm. I want to see like how long. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions I had before I can get to that point. Just like, yes, I'm excited to see Colin Sexton out there because at times he was worth the price of admission for a Cavs team that was really in the doldrums of the rebuilds. And he was the most exciting player out there just because he's such an athletic freak who has such, or it's not such so many offensive gifts that you'd like to watch them see and see them be fully utilized and just put on full display like that. But I will have my reservations. I need to see him play. And I also just need a larger sample size. But I think that makes me excited as well and kind of juices me up a little bit because there's a lot of things Colin could do. Is just maybe not like a connector piece as we're going to talk about in the following episode for the, and the wrap up this week, but he can be a player that unlocks quite a few things for the Cavs offensively. And like they really do need a player like that, especially when you see the offense bogged down like it did at times, especially down the stretch of the season i said especially a lot there but it's true i mean sexton i think pretty clearly provides juice that is needed i think how that juice is squeezed you know Mm -hmm. evaner and the last thing um as far as juice goes are you pulp are you in a pulp or you want to know pulp juice i don't dislike a little pulp it's like too much it's a little gross obviously but like a little pulp isn't offensive to me if it's like fresh squeezed juice and it just happens to be there yeah yeah. i'm not but i'm not like i'm not going out of my way to buy pulp at the store i guess is my point can you You buy i mean mean, you can buy like orange juice with pulp in it oh yeah i wouldn't do that you know i I wouldn't do that yeah you're like chris is like some like sicka who goes to like some farmer's market who's just like give me your finest that locally i just and you just sit at home and just like pour it in you just take like a spoonful of it and smash it into your cup every time at the end of the you know day. me man because chris chris's dessert before he goes to bed is a nice ice cold glass of oj oh, that would be some that would be some sicko stuff there all right uh we'll be back tomorrow after brushing his teeth real extremely sicko stuff then uh just i'm like Hey, kids, like the taste of battery acid? Go ahead and do that. All right. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back. We're going to talk about kinds of players the Cavs need to look at this offseason. I think this will be a primarily draft-focused thing. But we're going to talk about some free entry stuff as well because that, I think, plays a part in how we can solve these questions. So we hope you tune in for that. I uh, want to thank you again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Now, go make your second listen Lockdown NBA. From the first jump off of the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals, Lock the experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Everyone be well. Talk to you soon. game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.